Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us on one of the radio stations around the country, YouTube, iTunes, or maybe you're on the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we have a fantastic show for you. We're going to talk about the single-tenant net lease investment market. In fact, I'm calling this show the future of the single-tenant net lease investment market because there are a lot of things going on. We have interest rates going up. We have a new president, as everyone knows. Uh, we have the FASB lease accounting uh, kind of taking hold of, of users and, and uh, their real estate. So there's a lot of moving uh, parts. And the single-tenant net lease market has always been seemingly a, a safe haven for investors. There's a lot of demand. Well, I've got some experts to kind of share with us what's going on in the single-tenant net lease market and what might happen moving forward. Please w- welcome my guest. First, Tim Kenny. Tim is Senior Director with Marcus and Millichap Capital Corporation. Tim, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, Michael. We also have Nancy Miller here with us. Nancy is President of the National Net Lease Investment Group with Bull Realty. Nancy, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Michael. And you joined us even though you have a cold. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about you know, briefly some of the basics of single-tenant net lease investment market because it really has been a safe haven haven for, for investors. And you think about the downturn we had, gosh, it's been 10 years now ago, right? But it seemed like that the single-tenant net lease market was, uh, was kind of the safest market to be in. What is the attraction for investors for single tenant? Uh, Well, I think it's still very attractive. Uh, Long-term leases, uh, no guesswork, no cyclicalness as we would have in the stock market, and a lot more people are diversifying. So it's the same story, and the stability is still there. Right. And if you're driving down the road, these are single-tenant properties. There's one tenant in the building, and the tenant is paying all operating expenses typically. Uh, and as an investor, you're just getting a check. You know, Sometimes we, we call it uh, mailbox money, right? Uh, and these are usually national credit tenants, right, Tim, that they have really high credit, so the default rates are really low. Yeah, the uh, we work with a lot of lenders around the country and their portfolios that have these assets in there are their best performing per- portfolios by far. Right. And another on Nancy's point, uh, also as far as the the market, we we see a lot of people moving from high intensive management properties uh, and moving. We call it maybe, maybe it's a multifamily property, so they're tired of tenants, trash, and toilets, <laughs> and they move into uh, single tenant net lease. Right. And we see a lot of that in the in the family offices. They just they they don't want to manage. Uh, uh, maybe in a 1031 exchange, they want to get away from, a, like I said, a multifamily property or something that's really difficult to manage. They just want to have that mailbox money. Yeah. And it's been uh, it's been a great performer over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a great alternative. And, you know, we see it a lot. Maybe people are getting to retirement age or, or they're kind of planning for the future for their children. And they're like, you know what? I don't want my children to have to deal with these shopping centers and, you know, these apartments. I want to give them just a single tenant net lease. Or they really want to travel. I know a lot of your clients uh, kind of live all over the world and, and uh, they have these properties and uh, they don't have a lot to do. Well, Tim, one thing that you mentioned that I want to talk about for a moment is national credit tenants, because I think a lot of our listeners understand that. But tell us the the basic difference between a national credit tenant and a non-credit. Yeah, it's pretty basic. Um, uh, you ba- you have the uh, as long as you have a Standard and Poor's rating of triple B minus or higher, moves up the scale from there. That's your benchmark for a credit tenant, and there's a big difference between as the 
the lenders look at, a credit tenant, you're good to go. Uh, you're ready to put the financing on. You don't have to uh, look at the financials of the tenant. Once you get below investment grade, then you're looking at uh, the financial statements uh, and trying to see if you think that's a viable uh, concern going forward. So there's the difference in the market. It's, it's binary, basically, right. between a credit investment grade tenant and a non-credit tenant, which could be your uh, quick serve restaurants, QSR as we call them, or any other you know, industrial or any other type of tenant that's non-credit. Doesn't mean it can't be financed, it's just a little bit more difficult. Right. Uh, in fact, I have a situation with a, a company, <laughs> it's interesting, they're a private uh, firm, they're, they, it's their corporate headquarters uh, on a 15-year uh, net lease, and I called one of the large banks that has a single tenant net lease division, and they said, well, we bank that the tenant. We'll finance that all day long. And so. that tenant is not really considered national credit, no. right? Right. Right. So, so national credit and non-credit tenant doesn't mean they have bad credit. Mm -hmm. It just means they're not triple B rated or above. Or, or they don't have any bond debt that can be rated. Okay. And Nancy and I are doing a deal now, again, um, non-credit tenant. Uh, I sent that up to one of our, this is a bank that has a division that only does single tenant at least. They're up, up in the Midwest. And they said, Blake, we, we, we've already seen these financials. We like them. We'll finance it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there are pockets of these uh banks out there that we work with, that I work with, have for years, uh, that will lend on a single tenant net lease property anywhere in the country for a borrower anywhere in the country. Yeah. And so that gives people a lot of flexibility. Right, right. Lenders like single tenant, right? They do. And then tell us a little bit of the difference on the on the value side when you're selling these properties and then on the financing side on single tenant properties between a national credit tenant and now maybe you're dealing with your franchisee, right? So now you're really dealing with the credit of the franchisee, right? What is the difference, first of all, on, on kind of a valuation when you're selling and, and helping buyers buy and sell these? Cap rate wise, um, you're going to find a little bit higher cap rate or higher level of risk if it's a franchise. Um, if it's a multi-tenant franchise, uh, multi-location franchise, for example, like a Win Foods, mm -hmm. whose owns is publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange, and they are the largest owners of Wendy's, I wouldn't lose a wink of sleep about them as a franchisee. But if it's a Bojangles franchisee that's a startup that has one or two locations, um, I would be somewhat cautious, and I'm likely to have a little bit of a higher cap rate than if that was a corporate Bojangles, for example. I might be trading in the 5-5 five, five cap rates as a franchise location. I might trade in the 6162 cap rate range depending. So there's okay. a big shift. All right. That. So if I'm an investor and I'm seeking yield, then I may be comfortable, if I'm comfortable with a little bit of extra risk, then I may mm -hmm. want to go for that franchise. But what about when I go to finance it? What are you going to tell me? Well, uh, <laughs> don't tell me good luck. So, no, <laughs> it's actually one of the benchmarks is the number of units the franchisee is operating. So a lot of the guys will say, look, we don't want to. Uh, finance anyone that has less than 10 units. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to boil down to the, uh, it's a little, little, little bit different underwriting for mm -hmm. these because um, 
you're, they're going to look at the uh, financials of the uh, franchisee, and then they're also going to look very closely at the sponsorship, or that's a fancy way of saying borrower. Right. Uh, and they're going to, so your underwriting shifts over to more of a focus on the strength of the borrower, their global cash flow, net worth, and liquidity. Yeah. Uh, those are the keys. So you're going to, there's a little bit more of a balancing act. When you get into the weaker credits, it's a 100% shift, 180, just to the borrower. Yeah. away from the tenant they figure what happens if something goes sideways here we want to make sure that the that the borrower has the financial strength to to retenant the, the property okay and that brings a question up i think my listeners will have when you talk about the the true credit tenants then can i get a loan with no personal liability because of that tenant strength well, that's a great question yeah. um we could do a whole show on uh, non-recourse versus recourse uh, but yes uh, we, I do a lot of non-recourse lending because a lot of times the, uh, <clears throat> either the, the borrowers never signed a personal guarantee or, a, or a, a recourse note or it's an investment group or an institution. Uh, so we do a lot of that non-recourse in the uh, in investment grade world. It's something you, I just, uh, again, was on a panel uh, discussing non-recourse lending. You have to watch out now, Michael, because <clears throat> There are so many carve-outs in, back, say, 10 years ago, you had uh, seven different uh, bad boy carve-outs, they're called. Mm -hmm. And uh, now it's pages full of them that the lenders have filled in that there was, uh, I can give you a myriad of examples, but if someone is looking for non-recourse financing, they also need to get some, have a good real estate attorney or or an intermediary that understands Quick Quick answer before the break. If I have credit tenant, I want non-recourse, do I have to put in more equity? And what difference? How much Uh, or no? No, No. not really, no. Okay. No, it's it's either, it's again... Typical down payment on a credit tenant deal? 30%. 30%. I I can't get in with 10% down? I've got not anymore. I've got that. Right you know, here. All right, we're going to take we a short could, break. We could. We're going to take a short break. Stay with us. We'll have more on the single tenant net lease investment market. Stay with us. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're talking single-tenant net lease investment market. My guests are Tim Kenny. He is with Marcus and Millichap Capital Corporation, and Nancy Miller. She's with the National Net Lease Investment Group of Bull Realty. And I'd like to ask you guys about uh, value trends, because it seems like single-tenant net lease properties have kind of continually cap rates, so continually declined over the, the last, well, through I guess the last 10 years, it seems like. Um, where are we today? What are you seeing, Nancy? Well, I did a little pulling just because I knew you'd ask, but um, <laughs> I looked at nationally and then I looked at the region, mm-hmm. and nationally, uh, cap rates have gone down in 2014 national average for single tenant including medical and single tenant industrial about 6.42 percent were the averages and then 2015 and 16 this year it's 6.27 percent they've gone down the number of transactions have also gone down slightly we were at a high of 6325 
in uh, last year. This year we're going to be about 6,300, so we'll be slightly down. And in the southeast, the trend pretty much holds the same. Um, we've had about 2,500 transactions uh, this year, and we had a little bit more last year. And cap rates last year were also 6.57, a little higher than the national average, and 6.38% uh, in the region this year, again, a little bit higher than the national average. All right, so that average includes national credit tenants we were talking about, yes. and really any single tenant net lease mm -hmm. type of properties, yeah. including sell, lease back, and everything else. Everything. Yeah. Okay, and uh, what are you seeing from your desk, Tim? Yeah, people ask me that question a lot. Mm -hmm. They like to see. Uh, I'm on a lot of panels and, and speak a lot at different functions. They want to see what's what I see from my desk. Mm -hmm. A great question. What I see is uh, what Nancy alluded to also is the fact that you have the the alternative investment scenario. Mm -hmm. What else are you going to buy? People are afraid of the stock market, uh, the bond market, the yields in the bond market are at historic lows. Uh, they don't wanna take the risk. So they're, they're still flooding into the single tenant net lease world. So that's driven these cap rates. Uh, so that's what I see when my clients or a family office uh, is trying to either diversify or uh, they're trying to figure out what to do with a large uh, 1031 exchange. Uh, they're going to want to buy into multiple single-tenant net lease product. And I love the diversification that that provides. So it's it really the, it's been a driver of the uh, of the alternative investment scenario. That what are you what are your best choices? And so people have really moved into the single-tenant net world. We've really seen a compression of cap rates that's been. Uh, incredible yeah well let's talk about the elephant in the room and that's rising interest rates okay so the election's <laughs> over uh, I guess we all expect to see interest rates start start rising uh, what's your 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 estimate Tim as to what rates might do and what are you seeing so far I've been in the uh, financial business of many many years uh, so anybody who tells you that they know what interest rates are going to do uh, is crazy <laughs> Uh, but the so the consensus now and the consensus has been wrong mm -hmm. so many times as we as we all know the consensus is that we're going to see uh, pressure on interest rates long-term rates so there's a difference between long-term rates and the, the benchmark being the 10-year Treasury and then short-term rates and people are talking about the Fed so we'll, we'll talk about both but on the long-term side uh, we haven't seen, we've seen an increase, say the, again, the benchmark being the 10-year Treasury, that was at 1.8% at the, when we had the election. Now it's at 2.37%. We haven't had a move this high in 15 years. Mm -hmm. So we've already seen a major shift in kind of a paradigm shift, really, as far as interest rates go. And that's because the bond buyers, bond traders, investors, sovereign wealth funds, whatever, they, uh, they see inflation, and that is means that there's pressure on long-term rates. You're also seeing a reaction to the Trump policies as far as spending, and we're seeing also in our economy is very strong, uh, and we're seeing job growth, we're seeing G GDP growth, and I think the, the, the thinking out there is we're gonna see a stronger economy, therefore higher interest rates. On the flip side, you have the short-term rates, which is everyone talks about the Fed. There's a 100% chance now 
that the Fed will increase the uh, Fed funds rate in December in their, after their meeting. Uh, again, we're at such historic lows. That's, that's really where the bank's cost of funds comes from. So that's significant whenever we're doing these more bank-type deals mm -hmm. versus a more, more capital markets transactions that are driven off of the 10-year Treasury plus a spread. Uh, and uh, just to go further, kind of the benchmark for single-tenant net lease, a lot of people ask me, I'd see it every day, is if you're buying a, a credit-tenant, single-tenant net lease deal on a long-term lease, the, the benchmark is you take the 10-year Treasury and add 2.25% to that. That'll get you your 10-year your fixed rate, typically on a 25-year amortization schedule. So you're at like 465, something like that, 10-year fix. That's kind of the benchmark out there if anyone's out there looking at a property and trying to figure out what to plug in. So that means with the recent increase um, and that you've seen rates increase recently for these deals. Very much so. Yeah. And uh, just overnight, Michael. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really been interesting. And then you can also track the difference between cap rates that Nancy mentioned and the 10-year Treasury. Mm -hmm. And they seem to work and track each other. So as rates move up, you'll have pressure, see more pressure on cap rates. Yeah, okay. In fact, we're seeing lenders, excuse me, we're seeing developers out there who were quite greedy in the last few years. All of a sudden, we're seeing where they were asking a six cap rate on a new construction 15-year dollar store. Uh, we're starting to see 6.2, 6.3. Like in the last month, I'm really starting to see an uptick in cap rates. So I think everyone is kind of paying attention to what may be happening. Okay. Well, look into the commercial real estate show, Crystal Ball. <laughs> and Dallas, what's that mean for cap rates moving forward in the, into 2017 in the single tenant investment world? Well, Tim started mentioning that, and I think it's it, we're going to see a lock shift. I think that interest, this is my prediction, uh, interest rates will lag cap rates. I think um, cap rates will slowly go up because people want to move inventory. They want to sell it. And when they see that it won't sell, we're seeing more and more on the marketing side uh, price reduction. Uh, we're seeing more of that on you know, things are staying on the market longer. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, the average net lease property stays on the market in the Southeast 324 days. Ooh. And it was 310 days last year. So it's staying on the market longer. And that's likely because the developer and the seller is trying to maximize return or get as low of a cap rate as they can, mm -hmm. and it's not working. It, it, the buyer comes along who may be the 1031 buyer who's willing to pay a little bit more. And I, I think we're going to, we're going to continue to see um, the seller realize what's happening as these interest rates continue to Yeah, I mean, if you were bit. trying to time the, the top of the market, uh, it, from what you guys are telling me, we're we're there, where we were there mm -hmm. a month ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Just yeah. and it's been a it's been a dramatic shift. Yeah. I've had uh, several deals where the the uh, the buyers were in a 1031 exchange. Hold that thought. I want to hear more on that. Okay. Stay mm -hmm. tuned. We'll have more on the single tenant <laughs> investment market. Stay with us. Mm -hmm. 
Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today we're having fun talking about single-tenant net lease investment properties. My guests are Tim Kenny, He's Senior Director with Marcus and Millichap Capital Corporation, and Nancy Miller, President with the National Net Lease Investment Group of Bull Realty. And before the break, you guys were talking about we're, we're kind of at a, a tipping point, you know, where we've been seeing cap rates uh, reduce and, and compress, and, which means values have been increasing for pretty much 10 years. But now you guys from your desk, from what you're seeing right now, you're starting to see uh, things change a little bit. So if you are going to sell, you're thinking about selling in the next four or five years, is it time to sell? I mean, is it, if you were wait, especially if you're one of those guys, I'm waiting for the top of the market. Um, if you're asking me, I would say that if you've got a lot of term left on your lease, mm-hmm. uh, it's a perfect time to sell now because you are at the top of the market. Um, my brother owns a Wendy's with a couple partners in Charleston, and it's on a double-sized parcel in front of a bilo or something. And I said to him four years ago, while there were nine and a half years left on the term, I said, Marsh, go ahead and let's go get this on the market. And I gave him a valuation and so forth, and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And his partner said, uh-uh, uh-uh, it's, look, look at this, the rent's going to increase soon, and this, that, and the other. And we had a discussion last week, and I said, Marsh, now you have five years left on the property. <laughs> I said, I've got to tell you, it's not worth what it was worth four and a half years ago, mm-hmm. um, and it's just going to decline. And that's, uh, so the, the point would be, uh, sell now. If you're going to sell uh, for the long term, or if it's a short lease and it's good real estate, maybe you should hold on to it and not worry about it. Not worry about having a short lease? <laughs> no, because if the real estate is the really real good, good. Then, then it becomes another story. Yeah. So, Tim, you know, what are you seeing from your desk? Are, are people starting to see, all right, well, I guess if I'm going to sell the next several years, it's, it's time to do it? Uh, you're seeing the tables turn a little bit? Uh, the tables definitely turn. Uh, and last week was a being Thanksgiving week was a short week, and uh, we ha- had a number of uh, deals where the me personally we had someone that was used to uh, say a ten year fixed rate at four percent on their debt, and now it's four point six five. They have backed out of the deal. This is a 1031 exchange, mm-hmm. and so I think that they they had sticker shock, and I think once people kind of recalibrate, they'll see, hey, wait a minute, Um, we've got, uh, you know, historically low interest rates. I'm doing this for a reason. I like the single tenant net lease market, but they're going to have to adjust to a little bit lower returns. Now that property is back on the market. The seller, you know, has reasons they want to, they obviously want to sell as soon as possible. Uh, are they going to adjust their cap rate? I, I think they're, they'll be willing to do so. Uh, and this is so we've that's a retrade we we, we call it. So we're going to see retrades, and we've seen a number of them, Michael, in the last literally two weeks. And last week being a short week, and now here we are midweek, we're seeing that real world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I can add to that, uh, we've had two instances with a 1031 buyer 
where we made a good offer and they chose the other offer. Mm -hmm. And we had to name the 1031 properties. Two days later, after the naming, they come back hat in hand and they say, well, can we do the deal with you? And we, mm -hmm. uh, we said, we've already named where that, that, that ship has left the yeah. dock. And, and they basically, the sellers are, are, have a mindset of six months ago where mm -hmm. they can command top dollar. And uh, the brokers, I think, have an obligation to the sellers to say, you know, let's, let's get real and look at the market yeah. right now. Yeah, and you guys are on the front line and, and you're seeing it. And one thing, though, that we still got to keep perspective on is that we still have really low rates and positive leverage on most of these deals, right, Tim? Yeah, and I was looking at, uh, again, the 10-year Treasury uh, today versus where it was a year ago. Mm -hmm. Well, it's about maybe 15, 20 basis points higher. Mm -hmm. It's not a, a huge difference. Of course, we've seen cap rates. Where were cap rates a year ago? So maybe we need to adjust that. But it's not... Uh, the end of the world, just people need to be aware of it. And then we run, Nancy knows I have my uh, spreadsheet on steroids that gives all of your uh, metrics, but you got to look and make sure that this, it, the deal makes still makes sense for you long haul. But And uh, you got to understand what your uh, uh, loan or constant, your debt constant is. That's what an astute investor has to look at, mm -hmm. which is your debt service divided by your loan amount. That's going to tell you whether or not you still have positive leverage or not, mm -hmm. and you add up a lot of different uh, numbers. And at the end of the day, if you got a strong tenant, and one thing I did want to mention is that uh, uh, if you have a shorter lease, uh, we're going to look see if we can get those store sales, if if, if possible. We'll, and if you got strong store sales, and it's a good location of a, of a or or a good market, uh, stay in that deal, yep. and you'll get uh, you'll get. Uh, Okay. All right. All right. Well, and stay with us. Next, we're going to have some hot tenants and some tips for increasing yield. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you in commercial real estate brokerage? Check out Apto. Created by and for commercial real estate brokers, Apto is the leading web-based platform for managing relationships, properties, listings, deals, and back office. Visit apto.com slash CRE show. Commercial real estate owners defer thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of tax dollars through cost segregation. I recommend Ernst & Morris. Call 1-800-COST-SEG or visit costseg.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking single-tenant net lease investment properties. And uh, my guests are Tim Kenny, who's with Markson Millichap Capital Corporation, and Nancy Miller with the National Net Lease Investment Group of Bull Realty. And we're talking about uh, the market. We're talking about tenants. So who are the hot tenants out there? Are there groups of, of uh, these single-tenant net lease, like our banks hot, our, our drugstores, seems like drugstores are always as hot. Is it, how about auto care? What are what are your buyers really wanting today? Well, I think obviously because of the volume, dollar stores clearly are the number mm -hmm. one uh, dollar general family dollar. They're they're continuing to grow stores hundreds a year. It's ridiculous. Uh, and I've, I've heard people at events call you the you're the dollar cor dollar store 
queen, right? Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm queen the queen. That's all right. <laughs> and uh, well, also there are uh, a lot of the quick service restaurant QSRs mm. are still very popular, um, and those are more comfortable in smaller markets. Your Pizza Huts and your Taco Bells. So even if you're in a smaller market and you say to me, Nancy, I want to be in Metro Atlanta or I want to be in L.A. or, or Miami. And I'll say to you, well, we're short on demand, uh, supply rather, but if you go into Huntsville or if you go into Macomb, Mississippi or whatever, we can find you a, a, a nice Pizza Hut. And they mm-hmm. feel better because Pizza Hut is a national brand and strong and so forth. Mm-hmm. But um, we're also seeing a lot of uh, regional growth and expansion. Uh, we've done a couple, the learning experience, which is a gourmet daycare that is in uh, soccer mom suburbs, pretty much. Um, and they're springing up all over the country. And then another regional caliber collision, for example, mm-hmm. they're springing up all over the country and they're buying up smaller collision locations. So those are uh, new growth models. And of course, the typical auto zones and and O'Reilly's and so forth are are in play as well. But the yields on some of those, even though they're 15 or 20 year leases and some are net double net versus Mm -hmm. triple net leases, they're very, very popular as well. Yeah. So Tim, if I'm going to come to you to to get a loan on one of these properties, what are your lending sources going to like best uh, when I bring you a tenant? They they care if it's double net or triple net, uh, a tertiary mark, uh, maybe a suburban, ex-suburban market. What, What turns them on and off? A great question. It uh, it's a kind of a complex matrix, but any analyst, the first thing they're going to look at is the location of the property. Mm-hmm. So let's say we're looking at a, a dollar general, for example. Well, that's interesting because that seems like they my my eyes are kind of first look at the credit of the tenant length of the lease. Uh, yeah, they do well, care about where it is. They, well, it's they once. Let's say we have a, let's use a dollar general as an yeah. example. The first, because we, we know we got a credit tenant on the lease. Okay. I should have made that clear. And then th- it's funny because the first thing they're going to look at in, in, in any property, you're going to see uh, they're going to do an aerial or they're going to go to Google Maps. And one of my lenders, he just literally goes to Google Earth mm-hmm. and looks and says, if he sees tumbleweeds, <laughs> and, uh, he's and, and no national tenants yeah. uh, around there, he's going to he's going to need a real strong borrower. Uh, Also, some of the lenders have a rule of thumb. They want to see X amount of people within the five-mile ring. So a lot of the lenders are, say, uh, that I can think of off the top of my head, a good rule of thumb is they want to see 25,000 to 50,000 in the five-mile ring. They want to see some population. Uh, Another group, like I said, wants to see some national, something around that particular tenant. Now, and then, so that's a, that's a real-world example. And I see that a, a ton because we do a lot of uh, dollar stores together. So then your, and your underwriting will change a little bit away from the tenant to the borrower in that case if you got one with uh, nothing around, just, just green space in the aerial. Yeah. Um, now, in, in my world, again, if I got a credit tenant, I'm pretty much good to go. Mm-hmm. Other than those dollar stores that might be in the literally in the middle of nowhere. Okay, it's funny you mentioned tumbleweeds. Uh, we sold six thousand acres outside of Phoenix that these sixty banks had foreclosed on, unfortunately, and we took them out to show them the property. Literally, there was tumbleweeds 
and they were driving <laughs> there those tumbleweeds rolling they're like oh my goodness what yeah. what do we what do what we, we own now uh we sold that and they got a really big number for it but uh they were a little freaked out when they saw the tumbleweeds yeah. so what about length of of lease, right? So um, Nancy tells me, look, if I'm looking to increase my yield, maybe I want to consider more risk on a shorter term lease, maybe seven years or maybe even under under five, right? And and take, be really risky. But so how does that handle the, the financing? Thing? Uh, again, uh, I have some of my banks that are single tenant at lease divisions. Seven years is the minimum firm term of the lease that they can live with. Okay. So they will do that. And then another rule of thumb is they'll take the firm term of the lease and then add five years to that for your amortization schedule. Well, so it's tough. Maybe they'll push out a seven-year lease out to a 15-year amortization schedule, your payout schedule, that really tightens up your, your, your cash flow. Uh, so I think a good rule of thumb would be seven and above uh, with a, a good quality tenant. Anything shorter, then it's going to be more into the more local bank market where you um, need to have either an, a, an inter intermediary like myself or have a relationship with a bank that under knows you, knows you have the net worth and liquidity. Liquidity these days being the most important. Mm -hmm. uh, when we see these, we always get a personal financial statement. If you're looking to buy a single net lease property, make sure you have a up-to-date personal financial statement, any format will do, but the, 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 the lender is gonna look at your experience level, um, not so much in single tenant net lease, but they're definitely gonna look at net worth equal to or greater than the loan amount, mm -hmm. and liquidity, basically uh, nine months to a year's worth of principal and interest payments. Okay, all right. That's a good rule of thumb. All right, stay with us. We're gonna cover some gotchas that you want to watch out for. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like to shake hands with commercial real estate decision makers? Well, look for the tab Upcoming Conferences at the website interfaceconferencegroup.com. That's interfaceconferencegroup.com. Excelligen, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're talking net lease investment property with Tim Kenny. He's with Marks Millichap Capital Corporation and Nancy Miller with the National Single Tenant Net Lease Investment Group of Bull Realty. And, you know, on the outside, single tenant net lease investment property seems very simple. You have one tenant, it's long term, their national credit. It seems like an, an easy investment if, if I'm, maybe I'm not a real estate investor, but I know I need to get some real estate in my portfolio, but there's also some gotchas, the things, things to watch out for. And I guess one of those things is starting with, well, they call it a net lease or a double net or triple net lease, but what should you really do to make sure? Well, in my humble opinion, uh, you'd be surprised at how many people, Michael, don't read the lease. You got to read the lease. <laughs> uh, and I had a situation where uh, we were doing a private placement on Walgreens in Chicago. And when the client 
the client didn't really read the lease, it figured just the standard Walgreens lease. Well, in there was a little clause that they were responsible for snow removal snow. on this huge parking lot uh, adjacent also to the property. So uh, that deal cratered. And yeah, who um, would think that? That seems odd on a net lease, yeah. on t- triple net so lease. You, you know, they, in every lease can be unique. They can slide in different language. Yeah. And so that's just one example. Yeah, yeah. Nancy, what's another gotcha that people might want to watch out for? Well, of the many, that's why they call us. Um, the uh, one thing is to order, and Tim is very familiar with this: the SNDA and the tenant estoppel. Um, if you're looking at a short closing, let's say a 21-day closing, and the lease calls for the estoppel uh, that they turn it around in 30 days. Right. Oops, you can't close. So we uh, we sometimes will have to have closing be um, within X days of the end of the due diligence period or within X days of receipt of the tenant estoppel. So that has to be ordered really very quickly and early. And it can be 10 days, 20 days, 30 days. And you also have the other piece of that, which is the first right of refusal. So if you've got, especially with quick service restaurants, you often have a first right of refusal that the tenant has, that the tenant has, and they have sometimes 30 days to respond as well. That's really going to day the deal. And one of the things you said earlier, maybe if you're looking for increased yield that you might want to look at shorter term mm-hmm. leases. Mm-hmm. Um, how, so if I'm looking at a property and it has a four terms left on the uh, four years left on the current term of the lease, how many of those leases can I get the sales numbers from these tenants to kind of really see how well they're doing? Well, that's a toughie. Um, if it's an older lease, it probably has a clause that they report sales or if they're getting percentage rent. Most of the more current modern leases have pulled sales figures. So if it's in there, that's great and ask for, always ask for it no matter what. Okay. And if they say no, they say no. The other piece you can do is do your own little detective work and and just have a l- informal chat when you do your site visit. Our store sales, blah, blah, blah. How do you compare with other stores in the region? Can you hang out and people count? I mean, is there... Absolutely. Yeah. And I know people have counted cars and yeah. everything. Yeah. 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 Well, it seems like that uh, that would be... And then also you got to look at, well, what's the downside? If they don't release this space, what's this building worth or what will they rent for, right? And I guess the lenders are looking at the worst case scenario there as well. Yeah. They're, they're looking at the residual, what you owe at the end of the... Uh, yeah. Both at the loan term and the and the lease term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or any um, uh, banks lenders going a longer term on the uh, term of the of the financing than the existing lease, or they want to keep it right. Typically with the, not. They're not allowed to. Okay. Or the regulators uh, okay. will come down hard on them. Okay. Uh, so All right. so they want my financing to balloon right when my tenant lease ends. So everything's going to heck in a handbasket. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we really appreciate it, Tim. Thanks for being with us, Nancy. Great information. Thank you. thank you for being with us. Thank you. And uh, thank you for staying with us on all the radio stations. Be sure to catch up with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, our Twitter account is at CRE underscore show. And be sure and join us next week. We're going to talk about how interest rates are going to impact commercial real estate moving forward, all different property types. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, Ernst & Morris, the leader in cost segregation, 
Excelligent, building data everywhere. Apto, your entire brokerage in the cloud. And Get Valuate, online investment analysis. The best thank you? A referral to our sponsors. You can find them at CREshow.com.